The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Hello and welcome to another Football to the Max, as we are now fully in on NFL Week 9. We are past the halfway, we're at the halfway point here, and we have officially finished the first game of NFL Week 9 with a 34-21 victory for the New York Jets. But first, Eric Watkins, anything for Halloween? Uh, let's see. Dressing up like a pirate? Check. Winning the team contest at work? Check. Sweet. And getting a burrito and juice from Chipotle and a custard from Burger Five? Or spending a grand total of six bucks? Double check. Not bad, not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, Anaya got to do her things that I talked about, and <laughs> that was pretty much it for me. You know, <laughs> Halloween really becomes about the very much like once you have the kid get gets old enough, like Halloween and Christmas and all that become about them, not so much about you. So, you know, I, I'm happy for her that she got to. You know, the church doesn't didn't really let didn't let them dress up. Or do trick-or-treating, which makes me disappointed. I thought the whole point of that was that so they could have that atmosphere inside there and not out somewhere else. But, hey, every church does it differently, so it is what it is. But at least she got to, I guess, enjoy some of her time or, or whatnot. So that's positive. But all right, and, you know, we, we've some positive news for the Jets. They are now 4-5. and five. As they put a hurtin' on Tyrod Taylor's seven sacks in this game. Uh, and also three turnovers. And one of them caused by a hit on Tyrod Taylor with a subsequent touchdown that pretty much sealed the game there at the end. But honestly, Eric, this was just a game where Buffalo just got dominated. They really did, and they had chances because at halftime, it was only 10-7, right after 17-7, 
Buffalo, as they were moving in position, started to make some great plays. Then second half, three straight three and outs. A big third down conversion to Nick O'Leary wasn't touched. He gets back up, which is smart. But then as he tackled, he fumbled. So not so smart. But that play kind of just signified uh, the Bills' night. Yeah, but on that drive, that's the one that the Jets had a long drive that wound up punting. And then they had another shot at it. And that's where Taylor fumbled and you got that touchdown. And uh, subsequent, then you got a turnover on downs on a fourth and three where Matthews just dropped the ball. It, it was just was not uh, the night. For Buffalo, the two touchdowns at the end, notwithstanding an onside kick that they really shouldn't have gotten. Safarian Jenkins had it, uh, you know, just bust out of his hand and it was recovered. I mean, good on Buffalo for, you know, staying in the game and they had a shot there, but they couldn't stop McGuire on that third and nine, which kind of sums up their whole night, honestly. Shady McCoy could not run the ball at all. 25 yards rushing. That defensive line just absolutely did not let him go anywhere. I don't know how many times I wrote McCoy tackle for loss, minus one yard, minus two yards in my notes, minus five yards. I mean, it was it was incredible to see Buffalo just get manhandled through that offensive line. It's supposed to be that's that's really good. They've been really good all season. Yeah, and I really that's the thing about the Jets. It's kind of in their signature. Now that Todd Bowles has entrenched himself in that team with their identity, he's always been a defensive guy. And what the secondary has lacked, not a lot of interceptions, but a lot of pass breakups, but he makes quarterbacks and running backs feel very uncomfortable, not even just with the front seven, but with the lob of that front four. Because there weren't too many blitzes, didn't even really play along the line, but they just had a tremendous sort of outside rush, and that's what got to Tyrod Taylor. T-Mobile T- did not get a good signal tonight. <laughs> no, they didn't. Uh, they're usually pretty good about signals, at least around in my area. But I, I think the the most impressive part was, like you said, they weren't blitzing. They weren't sitting there just – they were just basically just pushing the offensive lineman back to where Tyrod Taylor all of a sudden had to get moving around and get antsy and he couldn't uh, be comfortable. And then it also – he didn't also have the running lanes because they'd have a spy or something to that effect to just make it to where he couldn't just go busting up the middle and get 20 yards or anything like that. So there was never anything where you were worried about him or worried about McCoy because he never got going either. So it's just, it certainly shows you there's a blueprint there to stop the Bills. But do you have a defensive line good enough like the Jets do? And this is without Sheldon Richardson to be able to do that. Yeah, and that's always been the Thing. It's making Tyrod Taylor beat you with his arm. And tonight that they showed that even with his escapability, even with him being able to move around the pocket, he can't. 
So from there, really, what could the uh, Bills do? The Jets had him exactly where they wanted him. Tyrod Taylor had to throw, keep throwing, and they're not built to really have that sort of a quick strike and come back. And, of course, the Buffalo Bills made news. They were one of the three teams, or, well, six teams that were active during the, the trade deadline. The Jets did get uh, Rashad Robinson from the 49ers cornerback, uh, uh, but we did not see him in this game as we did not see the new wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills, Kevin Benjamin. He was on the sideline, obviously not enough time for him to get adjusted to the team and know what he's supposed to be doing. You would think that he would be okay for next week, but certainly he provides that deep throw that they lost with Sammy Watkins and also a receiver that's a lot more dependable. Say Jones has been okay. Uh, You know, you don't know when Charles Clay is going to be back, and he's been their best receiver. He's their tight end. Nick O'Leary's been okay. Logan Thomas has been okay. And that's pretty much their entire receiving core have been okay. And it showed in this game with the drops, the not being able to get open. Zay Jones, unfortunately, had two times where he went down with an injury. That was probably affecting him. Uh, he did catch his first touchdown of the year, but I don't know. They, they got to get better, and you'd think that Kevin Benjamin provides that, right? Just what he's already been doing for the Panthers this season. Absolutely, and I think, especially if he stays healthy, he's going to be another big threat because while he doesn't necessarily have the speed He still has the ability to kind of get separation, take some tough routes over the middle, and that's what the Bills are in a lot of ways lacking. So the more targets that Taylor has and the more versatile, the better. Yeah, certainly. I just think that that's when Taylor's been at his best is when he has that outside deep threat that he can throw to to make it to where you got to watch out for that big play. And then this allows you to, to have McCoy run or Taylor run or, or anything like that. So, and we also got to give credit to that, that jet secondary with Jamal Adams and the rest of the guys were very on point. They were playing man to man almost the whole game and were really just for the most part kept them covered. So, and I think credit to the Jets defense there and the offense as well. Josh McCown didn't make the mistakes that he's been making in the the other three losses. And Matt Forte got the ball a lot more. Powell also had a big 50-yard run that set up a Forte touchdown. Uh, Forte was more active even in the passing game. So, much more balanced game from the Jets as well. Absolutely. They took a lot of pressure off McCown, and in the fourth quarter, Bilal Powell had some explosive runs, and that's really kind of what you want. You don't want McCown to necessarily uh, have to go out and really win you the game because, well, it's kind of mixed reviews. But if you put him in a situation to where he can perform when he has to, and do a little bit more than just manage the game, then you'll have success. Yeah, we've seen him be very good most of the season. You know, he's 38, but he's 
he's still playing very well, and it's just it's dumb mistakes or dumb play calls by the Jets in in certain situations that has really uh, cost them these close games. Imagine where they would be if you're you know you're talking about five and five at this point, six and four crazy situation that you're talking about for the Jets there, but that's what they could have been. And it seems like they at least learned from it today and made sure that they made a statement on national TV, which is positive for them. And they, they've got some winnable games coming up too. They really do. And if the Patriots keep playing the way that they're playing, granted, that it would be somewhat of a tall ask, but the Jets could really hang tough and make this really the first division race the Patriots have had in about 10 years. Yeah, I mean, between the Bills and this whole AFC East has been interesting. You know, uh, the, the Dolphins technically have a, a winning record right now, so... Uh, you know, what what they did in this trade deadline probably doesn't help them at all, but uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But just, it's crazy when we're talking about, you know, competitive divisions. Uh, the AFC East is not one that we were really talking about at the beginning of the season. It's certainly proven uh, to, to not be the case. They have, the Bills have, I think, outdone what a lot of, you know, experts and us and everybody else we're, we're talking about. Uh, the Jets have absolutely outdone what anybody was talking about for them. And, you know, the Dolphins, all things considered, have, have done okay as well. So, and the Patriots have looked beatable. You just never know. Yeah, I mean, with the Patriots and their defense passing yards... Against overall yards allowed, sure, they don't allow a lot of scoring, but if you get to Brady quickly, and in some cases often, yes, he's to the point to where he can still be rattled. Yeah, certainly, and it's 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 just crazy how this uh, whole league has gone this year, and luckily for... The Jets, they did not suffer uh, any big <laughs> injuries in this game because uh, it, it's just been that kind of year. And sadly, as we uh, transition out of this and before we start talking, I guess we can kind of talk about uh, their game as well as we discuss this too. Hold on, I'm trying to... Uh, Gary uh, wants to get on this one, so... I'm texting him to go ahead and get on Skype here. But yes, the big news came out earlier uh, yesterday that Deshaun Watson tore his ACL in practice. What a huge blow to a team that was that that with his best performance last year or not last year last week. He was officially named AFC Player of the Month just a little wow. bit before the reports of his injury came out. And now you know your season is over. Yeah, his season's over. And I'm going to be honest, 
the team season's kind of hanging in the balance. Certainly. I mean, uh, you know, Tom Savage has shown that he can be a serviceable guy. You have a nice game against the Colts to, you know, prove that theory. Uh, but, you know, that division has been tough that you're in. You're still in it, obviously. You're probably going to be in it the whole year. But it's can Tom Savage have the sort of year that we saw him have last year when he came in and kind of guided the team? Can he do that again is interesting. Now that you know, okay, once again, this is my job for the rest of the season. I know that I'm probably not going to be, I know for sure next year I'm not battling Deshaun Watson for the job like I was this season, but at least take that opportunity in stride and perhaps, you know, he can bargain his way into getting eyes from other teams or maybe getting a little bit of a raise. Who knows? But if I don't know that their season is totally over. But it's certainly, like you said, it's it's really right there. It's teetering, and it all hangs on can Tom Savage be a game manager again and not sit there and feel like he has to do so much. Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, with this offensive line, now that they traded arguably one of their better tackles, that makes it a lot tougher for Tom Savage because he doesn't have that mobility. So now right. you have to wonder if other defenses are going to see that, see Savage in the pocket, and decide, okay, we can go ahead and start teeing off. Oh, if, they, if they start doing that, then that's going to cause major problems. Now, the good news is the division is still winnable, but the bad news is you're facing some at least formidable defenses the rest of the way. Oh, no, I'm not. Yeah, you do. And you saw it in that game that Tom Savage started. He that's what they were doing. And that's why the call went to Watson was because of him having that mobility. So, you know, that they're going to come after them. I, I don't blame them because in that situation, you can't sit there and assess injuries. Right. If you can get something big for Dwayne Brown, you're going to do it. I mean, Eric, Wa er, uh, you know, as uh, Gary is uh, officially with us here, Watson does have a, you know, he did have an ACL injury in 2014, came back from that. What did he do? Go to the championship game twice. So he's proven that after those ACL injuries, he comes back strong and continues to be the force that he is. But yeah, that that's going to be an interesting one. On the Colts side, talking about quarterbacks that know what their situation is, Jacoby Brissett now knows he is the quarterback for the rest of the season. Andrew Luck not coming back. We knew this. We talked about this, Eric, that they shouldn't mm -hmm. play him. It's a lost season. But, you know, considering how that division is, do you think this gives Brissett any kind of confidence at all that, okay, it's my team now for sure. Let's let's get out there and, and play. Uh, differently against a Texas team that is missing key defensive players that we already know of and, and now are going to be shell-shocked by having to deal with Tom Savage being the quarterback. I mean, do you think the Colts have an edge in this game? Uh, I would say they do have a bit of an edge, 
but it's not as big as a lot of people would think because you're still dealing with Jacoby Brissett. You're still dealing with the poorest offensive line. So instead of the Colts coming in and potentially, or instead of the Texans coming in and potentially blowing the Colts out, now you can deal with something of a slugfest. Gary, I mean, do you think uh, we, we saw what happened with Savage, the game that he started? Colts have proven that they they can rush a little bit. Do you think the Colts have some, uh, an advantage here with Brissett having the experience of having played for the team the whole season, where Savage is once again having to come in as the backup and and having to deal with a team that thought they were on the rise with a rookie quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the quarterback situation is in favor of the Colts, like you're saying here. And I think, you know, Brissett has proven that, you know, he's great with his, you know, his ability to get outside the pocket, run when he needs to, and really kind of control things. I think that's why the Colts have kind of said, hey, you know, let's go ahead and see what this guy's got. He's given us a little proof that he has something. Our team as a whole is not great. That's why we're not winning games. But this guy is not at fault for most of the, the losses. So, I think in that situation, yes, but I, I kind of have my concerns on the other side uh, of the ball for the Colts, and even that, like you know, Eric just mentioned, the offensive line still has that concern for me because I don't know that the running game is going to do anything special for the Colts. So I, I still lean in favor of the Texans, but I, I think Brissett is better when it comes to being the the uh, quarterback in, in this matchup. Yeah, I think uh, Brissett certainly has a chance to shine here and move the team to three and six but if there's a team that I feel like Tom Savage has the best of a chance against it would be the Colts and this is a team that you need to be able to beat it's a divisional opponent Uh, you need to be you know up there in divisional record as well because that could be a tiebreaker for you the way that that division's been this year I feel like the Texans are going to win even without Watson They can. I'm not saying that they can't win, but I don't know if a team is going to be able to really revamp their strategy. Now, granted, head coach Bill O'Brien, he had in a couple of key moments where he didn't entirely trust Watson in certain situations, which could kind of help because, okay. Savage could be more of the kind of quarterback he wants while Watson grows into that role. But at the same time, if you don't trust what you determine as your best quarterback, what happens when you get into a situation to where you don't trust Tom Savage? What kind of message is that going to send? And I think that's going to come up sooner rather than later. I don't know, but the team dealt with Tom Savage last year. I don't think it's a situation where they don't trust him. They went with Savage over Brock Osweiler. He proved himself. Uh, that team is not that much different. If you put Savage back in there, a lot of the same pieces took around. So well, true it, with the team. Yes. But I mean, Bill O'Brien and play calling in situations. Well, I mean, he doesn't really, well, no, I mean, there's certain things that Watson could do that Savage is not going to be able to do. And Bill O'Brien is understanding that. He also is, uh, they're about to go pick up uh, Matt McGloin. 
who also played under Bill O'Brien at Penn State. So there's that option as well, the super uh, backup, Matt McGloin. So, you know, Tom Savage does need to be careful. He can't just go in and totally wreck the season and lose three or four games because, you know, we've seen McGloin come in and do decently. But, yeah, there's going to be things that he's not going to be able to do, but he certainly can still throw. And if the line can give him time, he can do what they need. I think it's more about also making sure that you get Miller and Foreman active in the running game, too. You can't just put it all... Because used to, you could put it all on Watson, and he could run around, and he could also run and get to yards. That's something Savage is not going to be able to do. So they're going to have to have a more traditional running game to be able to help Savage out. They They really would, and... That traditional running game, it can kind of develop, which again is a solid plus, but you don't want to get into the situation where you have to be one-dimensional either one way or another. So with that, it's still going to be something of a tightrope. Oh, and guess what? Richie Incognito is sitting here complaining about having to play on a Thursday. (laughs) Hey, you know, the Jets also uh, played on the Thursday, too. So what excuse do they have? Oh, uh, 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 yeah. So silly. Richie, Richie, Richie. Oh, Richie. Hey, you have that experience, uh, Eric, of dealing with old, old Richie there. Uh, Don't but, remind me. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, the Hazing Gate or whatever the heck that was. Uh, it was probably some kind of gate because there's a gate for everything. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Gary, uh, the 49ers, and this sucks for me because he's on my one of my fantasy teams where I'm actually doing decently. Uh, this 49ers not only made uh, big news for a trade, de- uh, you know, a trade deadline move, they also put Pierre Garçon on IR for the remainder of their season. The only... Uh, receiver that they had that was kind of, you know, a a very good veteran. Uh, Now it's Marquise Goodwin and the rest of the dudes, really. And he's on IR. They put Jimmy Ward on IR because he has an arm fracture. Uh, Garcon has some kind of neck injury that he got in the second half of the game last week. And then they went and traded with the Patriots a second-round pick to get Jimmy Garoppolo. And now this news that came out yesterday, Kyle Shanahan saying Jimmy Garoppolo may not even play this year. When you're losing your best receiver and you're already losing more on the defense, kind of makes sense not to put Garoppolo out there just to possibly get him hurt or to have him in a limited capacity. Do you think that's the best decision? Don't play him. I think so, and there's many factors to this. I think the getting injured factor is a huge one. Uh, Their offensive line is not going to keep him upright a lot of times. Uh, They've taken some big hits on that. And not only that, you look at the season, the way it's gone, I mean, they're they're not going to be, you know, in the stretch for the playoffs, there's no, you know, that's not going to happen. There's no other chances they're really going to have to do anything super spectacular except maybe, you know, ruin a few other teams' chances of 
doing something special by stealing a game or something like that. So I think having Garoppolo at least in the building, learning under Shanahan's system, being at games, kind of seeing how they run things, all, all that special stuff that most free agent quarterbacks or even traded guys don't have an opportunity to do. This is a, a kind of an advantage for Garoppolo and Shanahan both, and I think that's a, it's a really intelligent move. And you also have the fans' perspective of you know perception and all that, and not playing Garoppolo and having him sacked, and you know him maybe making a few mistakes. That would take the fans down a different road. They may start asking for him, you know, to be benched or something like that. So this is great. Now the fans have hope for next year. And he's a smart young quarterback who they can kind of depend on later down the line. I think it's a good idea. I think Shanahan's got the right move here. Well, Eric, the other side of the coin is if you don't play him at all, at least give him, you know, a couple of games at the end of the season because then you are giving him money blind because Kyle Shanahan already said that he's not going to franchise tag him you don't trade a second round pick to franchise tag a guy so why wouldn't you at least play him a couple of games to see what you got right I mean what uh is is four or five weeks not enough to learn I know it's a whole different system I understand I know guys usually get a whole training camp and everything else to learn it but if he's supposed to be that good Shouldn't he at least be ready to go by week 16 or week 17 to even if you're 0 and 14 at that point to to see, hey, he went out there and led this team without our leading receiver to a win or at least competing? Absolutely. And I personally think that that golden window four or five weeks, including the fact that the Niners have yet to have their bye, that's a big help. So at the very least, even if you don't want to wait that late, get him green reps. Try bringing him in off of that bye week, and then he can get more experience learning the system as he goes. Because you've already said this could potentially be your guy. You're either going to get him to a long-term deal or get rid of him completely. Having a friend, having a franchise tag on him makes no sense whatsoever. And if you're leaning towards having him be your guy, six, eight, ten, twelve years, you want to get as much info as you can as soon as you can. Yeah, because you're. I mean, yes, you've seen him play with the Patriots. We've seen so many quarterbacks go lead the Patriots and not do so hot. Or, you know, have middling seasons, kind of like what we've seen Jacoby Brissett have. I mean, maybe if he's with a better team, different story, but he's not. It is what it is. But I I understand this is supposed to be this rich quarterback draft class coming in 2018. You're going to pass on all those guys to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, he comes from a, a proven situation with the Patriots. You, I feel like you got to know a little bit of something before you go into next season. But, hey, I'm not the one making the shots here. so yeah, Definitely. And, you know, that's not a bad idea to do it at the end of the season. I mean, it's a situation where this is preseason for them now. This is their preseason. And this is the extension uh, for these guys that they want to try out. I mean, they can go and get guys that, you know, teams just randomly cut and, 
just try them out randomly uh, just to see what they get can get, and that's fine. Garoppolo will not be put in bad situations, I'm sure, most, most of the time. If they start to see him getting hit a lot or something like that, they can always pull him from a game. So that's not a problem. But I, I'm glad they're not just throwing him in their cold water. Hey, jump in there, kid. We need you. Because, you know, that would not be good. And I think we want the fans, once again, you want your fan base to be excited. You want people to be at games and get ready for, you know, hopefully something exciting. Yeah, certainly. And, I mean, the 49ers do have a game to play. And they are playing an Arizona Cardinals team who also don't have a quarterback right now and who may not have one coming into next season, depending on how Carson Palmer comes back. I mean, he is on the older side. And you now have Drew Stanton, who has proven to be one of the worst quarterbacks in the entire league. I don't know. I feel like C.J. Beathard is decent enough to where the 49ers have a shot. I'm going to say 49ers at home get the win. I called this one on one of our other podcasts, the kickoff. I'm sticking with it. I think it's going to be an extremely ugly game, but I think the Niners go ahead and take it. Hey, it's kind of funny because we're all agreeing on this, and, and the reason I say that is, is, you know, the San Francisco 49ers, as many problems as they had, they did hang in there with Philadelphia for a brief time, and we've seen them hang in there, you know, at the beginning of games with a lot of other teams, you know, so... I mean, I think there's something there. They have some young talent. They have nothing to lose. I think they're going to definitely uh, take this one home. Yeah, I mean, you're also you don't want to go in 16. So no, you know, for many of these games, you might get their best shot every time. So uh, certainly, does Drew Stanton have a plethora of talent around him? Yeah, but you know, you're not getting David Johnson back this year at all. Uh, so the running game is taking a hit. You don't have that. Yeah, you have some great receivers, but can you stand and get the ball to them? I just don't believe in that. Uh, I'll, I think the 49ers, it'll be a close game, surely, but the 49ers uh, should uh, get that win. So, you know, you talked about the Eagles here, Gary. They're in the 1 o'clock slot at home at, the, at uh, Lincoln Financial Field, and they got themselves another chip to add to an already impressive offense. Jay Ajayi coming in for a fourth rounder good lord what are the dolphins thinking i have no idea but i guess adam gase is that mad about his offense thinking and jhi had to be the guy he goes to a much better situation but he's also playing one of the best defenses in the league in the denver broncos uh we saw what they did last week but now they've got brock osweiler back at quarterback you know last if I had a laugh track, I might start playing that right about now. But <laughs> I could have sworn there was one in one of those buttons. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think there is. I just don't know which one it is. And But, uh, you know, honestly, it's, hey, he is coming back to the place where he had his most success. Brock Osweiler, do, do you think he, this is a really, really good Eagles defense. Do you think Osweiler has any kind of, you know, nostalgia factor here feeling a little bit more comfortable and and shows a little bit of what Houston thought they got or is this another week where the quarterback play is awful and the defense is not enough to keep the Broncos in it 
I just I, looking at Brock Osweiler, I, I don't know that he's shown me anything. And uh, really, honestly, I, I don't know that putting that orange on and stepping on the field and feeling like, hey, this is, you know, a few years ago, or a couple of years ago, how long it was when he was in that uniform is going to change anything. I think if we're talking about maybe a different defense, I think we could feel a little bit more comfortable. He could get you know under his shoes and really feel like he is back in that state. But I think this defense he's going to be facing is going to be a little bit too much for him. And I don't know that he's going to be mistake-free. So I'm going to say no. I don't think just because back starting for the team he's kind of started with is going to mean anything. And what I mean, I don't know if that running game that's been kind of up and down uh, this season is going to help him. Uh, much either as the the Eagles are pretty good at stuffing that uh, as well. Do you feel like what what do you think about on the Eagles offense, Eric? Is, is this another game where the Broncos defense comes in and and possibly makes this an ugly one, shutting Wentz down, and uh, or do you think the Eagles are are going to be with uh, now their tandem running backs and and everything else they got going for them? Do the Eagles just keep rolling here? They do keep rolling because now that you have this great mix of a power back going right inside with LeGarrette Blunt, and you have a Jai to where still powerful, but it has that little bit of a kind of a juke ability to him to where he can get outside as well. So now you're talking with an inside and outside threat taking tremendous pressure off Carson Wentz, who can also run if he has to. So now instead of saying, okay, we may need Wentz to throw ah, 25 to 30 times a game, with these two backs, we can at least hang tough and potentially only have him throw 18 to 22 times a game. That is an insane advantage, especially for the kind of throws that Wentz can make and the kind of passing plays you're now incorporating into that offense to get him even more comfortable. I don't know if the Broncos, even with their top defense, are up to this much of a task. Yeah, I think with the anomaly of not knowing what Oswala we're going to get, and then just the way that this Eagles offense has been going this season, even if Ajayi doesn't play, it's difficult for me to do anything but go with the Eagles on this one. Yeah. It, to me, it's just too hard to go against the Eagles when they've really been on this roll. And not only that, the Broncos have not really proven that they can be consistent. Maybe yeah. Three, Eric. I'm definitely making it three for three. Boy, this is definitely a weird night. I'm telling you, maybe we need to watch our podcast that we do on full moons. Because (laughs) I I can't see anything really different. I mean, Broncos are going to have major issues with quarterback. Their defense is going to be worn down. And if the Broncos can at least keep this close... They have to really be careful about the Eagles breaking it open in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they do, uh, for sure. And and they could certainly do that, pull away uh, in that fourth quarter. 
Let's look at the other end of that Coven Benjamin trade because the Carolina Panthers are at home against an Atlanta Falcons team that has just, they have been so weird this season. Now you have to wonder who the heck is Carolina going to throw to. People are complaining about Cam Newton forcing the ball too much to Christian McCaffrey. It's almost like, well, are we just going to do this even more now? Uh, what, you know, is Cam Newton going to start running again even more? I mean, what's going to happen? This is still an Atlanta defense this, that's decent when they when they want to be. Uh, Vic Beasley can get to the quarterback and and everything else, but I don't know. I feel like this could be an absolute ugly game between these two. Uh, and, and Carolina at home, it's uh, hard to to go against that. I'm, I'm going to say Atlanta somehow picks up the win, though. I was half tempted to try to go and make it 4-4, four for four, but I can't. Now, granted, it's going to be another close one. And I really think that it's going to be a really down Carolina team. We heard Cam Newton in that press conference. He seemed a little bit deflated. But... I mean, you know. Yeah. Cam really plays up his emotions a lot, so... Yeah, but but I mean, even all of that aside, I see what I can get from Carolina. I don't see continuously what I get from Atlanta. So I think Carolina takes this one. You know, this is not such an easy game to pick uh, for a lot of the reasons you guys talked about. And I really kind of lean on the fact that I have a little bit of worry uh, about the Panthers finishing in this game. And they've been back and forth on this. Don't get me wrong. They've came into some games and, you know, tie ones and finished. But, you know, there's other games that they decided for some reason that they can't close them out. And I think the Falcons, you know, being so close to them and knowing a lot about that team, I think that could give them an advantage. And I, I don't think it's going to be a lopsided win or anything. I think it's going to be the Falcons with a field goal or something like that. Yeah, I will say, though, that uh, Julius Peppers has looked like a young version of himself and has been being a terror over there. So he gets to Matt Ryan a couple of times. We might be seeing a different game, but... Mm-hmm. We'll certainly see how that goes. It's going to be an interesting one. One of the better uh, 1 o'clock games. Let's stay in this division, though, because these two teams, we thought these records were going to be flipped at the beginning of the year, and it's amazing to see how far the Bucks have fallen, how just pedestrian uh, that that uh, Jameis Winston has been this year and that overrated defense. And then you look at the New Orleans Saints, and it's like, where did this defense come from? And Drew Brees is having a pretty good year. It's in the dome. Guys, I, I don't know that I can pick against the Saints here. I think the, the Saints are getting another one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why you would. <laughs> At this point, geez, with the Saints, what they can run, they won games, or won at least a game, without needing Drew Brees to throw a touchdown pass. That scares me. 
that yeah it should scare you it really should i mean how often do you see that stat line not very often and i really look at it as saying you know Tampa Bay cannot figure things out. They're they're not that team that we all expected. Like you, you know, I think it's perfect. What you know, you said, Sean, very pedestrian, very average. Jameis Winston this year, that was going to be their biggest weapon. He was going to be the guy to come in here and learn a lot more, know a lot more. And this defense of Tampa Bay's was supposed to be a lot stronger than ever. And then here we go. And this is, to me, this is going to be a game where I think Tampa is going to be coming in and. and Around halftime, really getting freaked out and having to start depending on Jameis Winston, who can do it. So it's going to be really fun to kind of see what they do this week. And I, I'm going New Orleans for sure in this one. That hard knocks curse, man. It goes, it goes hard. That's all I got. All I got to say mm-hmm. so far. I mean, between last year, uh, I think the year before that, and and then this year, it's just it's not gone well for the team that winds up on that show. Uh, it goes the same here, and just it, it. Alvin Kamara has been has been, I think, above board when people, considering where he was picked and everything, uh, he, they send Peterson away, and then Kamara gets to flourish even more along with uh, Mark Ingram. That, that uh, duo that Eric talked about, they, they're going to be big in this game, and it's it's going to help the Saints uh, get a win. Another game that could be very defensive because you've seen the Bengals' defense. When they want to be, uh, they can be getting in your face and and causing problems, forcing turnovers. We saw it against the Colts. Now here come the Jags, who have been the king of defense this year. Two games where they've had 10 sacks. Incredible. Uh, you know, Could this be another game where that happens again? It's at Everbank Field, so, you know, you have that anomaly that goes with the Jags. Uh, but honestly, I know I know what you're going to say, Eric, but I think this might be the time. This might be no. it. This no. is going to be the game. The Jags finally get over the curse of Everbank, and they get the win over a Bengals team, which I think they're going to force Dalton to throw some interceptions, and it's going to be a problem. No. No, no. See, I had that exact same mindset against L.A. What happened? We That's against L.A. They're a very good offensive team. They have a really good defense. I mean. Exactly. And we could have hung tough and we crapped the bed. Sorry. Gary, I've been saying this all season. We can win in Pittsburgh. We can win in London. We can win in Indy. We can win everywhere else. We can't win at Everbank. And this is interesting. I mean, uh, I think that there's always a first to everything. And could this be it? I mean, I, I don't know. And I definitely understand that. I really, really do. There's those fields that there are certain teams just can't get over. They, they, they step on the f- certain field and everything falls apart. And I, I don't know if that's the case this Sunday. I, I just look at the squad. Is all I'm going to do. Uh, I don't blame you. You know, you're close to Jacksonville. You you really follow the team closely. Uh, but I, just by looking at the rosters, by looking at what I've seen, uh, 
it's so hard for me to not pick Jacksonville. This could be the first, um, but you know, you may have this right. I, I, you may be completely right on this mental game that Jacksonville can't win there. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like those things are meant to be broken at some point though. And yeah. th- there's gotta be a time for it. Right. Uh, and if there's a team that could get past it, if there's a team that could break it, I think it's this team. Yeah, I just uh, I wonder if it's that time, you know. So it's no, it look like just their defense has been ridiculous. Uh, yes, uh, Blake Bortles is prone to to making mistakes and everything, and the Bengals certainly had the defense that could do it. I just think uh, it, Leonard Fournette supposed to be back, right? So. I believe so, and if Leonard is back, he doesn't have to be back to his full 100% self, but if he's at least at 80%, then I will give the Jaguars a chance. But I don't know, maybe the fact that things will change since they're going to wear their teal uniforms in this one, that might offset any bad Everbank hoodoo, but... mm. Oh, man. You need all the help you can get sometimes. The Giants will certainly need help, uh, even though they're playing at home against the L.A. Rams, who are, they've got a very offensive-minded team, a team that has been rolling along at times. And, uh, you know, sometimes Jared Goff makes some mistakes and it, it costs them games, but that defense has been holding them together. The Giants are the walking wounded uh, they were able to get that that one win, but ever since then, it's just been so many things against them. I, I just feel like the Rams are going to be a bit too much for this, even for that vaunted Giants defense to handle. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even say this is really a vaunted Giants defense, but I think that they are just flat out overmatched. L.A. things are just clicking on all all levels, a lot of facets. And, yeah, this is a Rams team, especially if they want to kind of live up to this hype, keep pace with Seattle in the NFC West. This is one they need to take, and I think this is one they do. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Eric. I really feel like this offense is going to be a little too much for that Giants defense to handle. And, and, and as good as they you know, are, and you know, they do still have some power on that defense, I think this is going to be another game where the Giants defense gets worn down. And once again, they find themselves in a situation where their offense can't overcome anything because they lack the weapons to do it. So, yeah, uh, for me, uh, I think it's going to be a Rams victory. Somebody just needs to cover... Evan Ingram, if you're on the Rams. Someone needs to cover him because he is pretty much the guy that Eli Manning is going to throw to in a lot of situations. You cover him, take him away, Eli Manning is going to have a big problem uh, in this game. So I'm sure the the Rams with uh, Tremaine Johnson, you're supposed to be getting the big money, right? That's what you're supposed to be doing. So... Uh, get to that, but the, the Rams should win this one. Uh, Tennessee at home against Baltimore. Oh, this could be rather gnarly as well, uh, considering. 
Uh, what what Marcus Mariota are we going to get? Uh, are if you know both defenses play up to snuff here, this could be one of those like 15 to 12 games or something like that. Uh, uh, Baltimore gets Mike Wallace back. I don't know how much that helps honestly, but. I, this is one of those I throw up my hands. I don't know. Tennessee, because they're at home, and Marriott is better than Flacco. Uh, I'm I'm going to take the other side of the coin and pick Baltimore, because while I do think that Marriott is better than Flacco, Flacco's got more to prove. Yeah, you're not wrong. Flacco definitely has a lot to prove. Um it, this is really a flip of a coin game for me. I think both teams come in here equally as good as the other. I think both defenses have power. I look at the offensive situation. You know, I, I really do like what Tennessee has. Uh, I may kind of lean towards them just a little bit more. So, I, I, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Tennessee, but it's, once again, a, a very tight game. Seattle at home against Washington we saw a defense that's not as good as Seattle's hold that Redskins receiving core uh, to very minimal numbers. Yes, Jordan Reed got hurt, uh, and that affected things. Uh, this is one of those games where I think Kirk Cousins needs to show up and show up big if he wants to be earning that contract for me uh, because this is a defense that's – Still, they're not the Legion of Boom, but they're the they could still be very formidable uh, when they want to be. And Russell Wilson is it doesn't matter who you got back there, Josh Norman or no Josh Norman. Uh, Russell Wilson finds ways to find his receivers and get to guys. Uh, Jimmy Graham is going to feel I think we we saw him be a big factor in that game, uh, and now that he he knows he's with the team. Uh, they've got a left tackle that can actually block, so they might have some protection. I think the Redskins are still going to be without some of their offensive linemen. That's going to be a big blow as well. Uh, Seattle's going to take this one. Yeah, I feel pretty strongly too, Sean. And it's for the fact that I really feel like the it just the sad situation for the. The Redskins of having so many offensive linemen injured. Uh, I think, you know, when you're talking about a defensive minded team like, like Seattle, that they're just licking their chops. And, and not that they're the sack masters of the world like they used to be, uh, but I still think that they're going to find ways to get to Kirk Cousins. And I don't think he's going to be facing, a, you know, a situation where he's going to have a ton of time. So I, I think that's what's really going to break down here. And, and the Redskins defense, you know, they have their lumps too. Yeah, and I think with Washington, Kirk Cousins is going to come in kind of with a little bit more of a big head because there's still that antenna drawing towards him and the contract and everything that he's doing this season. But come on, Seattle, Legion of Boom, their defensive line, their offense that just got upgraded with Dwayne Brown along that line. They're going to say, hey, yeah, we can win 41-38, but don't expect that two weeks in a row. And they're really going to show out tonight, especially because, hey, 
thanks to a little bit of a boost, he got a little bit of extra sports stuff going on in Seattle, going in that city's favor. So Seahawks get to kind of take advantage and ride that wave. Yeah, I don't know how much that makes a difference, but either way, Seahawks uh, should win this one. And I'm gonna pick. The, I'm gonna go with this game first because I'm pretty sure the NBC people wish that they could, you know, hit that flex button right about now. Uh, the Miami Dolphins at home against an Oakland Raiders team. Miami trades away Jay Ajayi. I don't even know who they have running behind. Uh, oh, the guy Aaron from Williams. Alabama. Not Williams. The other guy. Did Drake? Oh, we, Kenyon Drake. Yes, Drake. That's right. Uh, so it'll be Drake and, and and Williams and Oakland who know that they this is a game they need to win if they want to have any shot at uh, going for that wild card. Um, much less the division at this point. They've got to stay in tow. Uh, they can. They need to avoid going three and six. I know it's in Miami, but I feel like Oakland with their this could be one of those ugly games, too, because Miami's defense can stuff you. But I'm just going to go Oakland. I just I don't know that removing Jay Ajayi all of a sudden fixes all their offensive woes, and then Jay Cutler's going to be starting again. Oof. Spoiler alert, it doesn't. Oakland could easily smash them because, honestly... Matt Moore proved he's not 100% as cracked up as ever cracked up to be as everybody thinks. And we've seen Jay Cutler this season. I mean, yeah, the Raiders have a suspect secondary, but can he even get to those receivers? No, I'm going Oakland. Yeah, I'm right behind you on that. And the Monday night game, uh, without I, uh, Aaron, I yeah, go at, ahead, sorry. Oh, no, no, you're fine. Go ahead. I, that, that's, it's, it's simple enough. I just think Oakland's a better team in this situation. Quarterback situation for Miami, that's going to be bad news. There you go. Sorry. Yeah, it, it, considering, you know, you gave me a great segue there, Gary. Quarterback situation is not great for Green Bay either. Uh, Brett Hundley did not have the greatest of starts in his first game. He has another week to prepare, this time as a divisional opponent, again, in the Lions. Uh, I think the Lions know no Aaron Rodgers is a game we have to have in Lambeau Field. Matt Stafford has to play better. Yes, he almost brought them back for another fourth quarter comeback against the Steelers. But you don't even need to be in this situation. I think it's in Lambeau. I think Green Bay will be in this longer than many people think they will. But eventually the Lions should pull away. Uh, I'm saying the Lions win on Monday night. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got to take Detroit on this one because Detroit's proven exactly what they can do offensively. And I think that that was such a fluke, the fact that over 400 yards and the didn't get a touchdown against Pittsburgh. I think there's just those couple extra little tweaks that are going to be made, and that's going to be resolved. Because honestly, this is Matt Stafford. And I think Brent Huntley, 
as good as he can be, is in a position where he can get overwhelmed. Yeah, I look at this game as being uh, an exciting game for the Detroit Lions because they get a chance to beat down a team that they have really not had a chance to really do that to in a long time. And I'm not saying they're going to smash the Green Bay Packers, but I think they're going to have a lot more control than usual. I think they're going to be able you know, to, to do a lot of things offensively that they want to because they're not playing from behind. I think this just sets up for a better day for Detroit. And, you know, it's it's going to be the story of the year for Green Bay, you know, that they just, you know, had to fight and fight and fight. And a lot of times it's not going to end up in their favor. Uh, certainly. And I think the Packers do have the trump card in Aaron Jones. Can he provide some kind of ability for Brett Hundley to have an easier day back there? Uh, it's, it's if they get behind, do they start not being able to use them? And then Hundley has to start throwing a lot, and that causes a problem for Green Bay. It's just with the Lions, you just never know, honestly. Uh, just Sometimes you get into these games with them where you think that they should win, and they still don't get there and take advantage of it. Uh, so that that's why it's hard for me to call this a blowout or anything, but the Lions should win uh, here, certainly. And so... We go to the game of the week, pretty much, even without Ezekiel Elliott. The Dallas Cowboys offense is still pretty uh, powerful, considering the two guys that are going to be back there and Rod Smith uh, running by committee here against a Chiefs defense that does allow you to run the ball. They give up the most first downs of anyone in the league, considering that they have, uh, you know, they're topping that AFC West and they were the last team that was undefeated. Uh, they were able to stop the slide on Monday against the Broncos. Uh, the Cowboys await some kind of miracle uh, for the second U.S. Circuit Court to um, grant Ezekiel Elliott a stay, even though it looks very uh, unlikely at this point. Uh, the NFLPA did actually go ahead and put in the thing about the commissioner having discretion under Article 46, but that he doesn't have the right to bargain for authority to ruin lives and careers in violation of the CBA. Uh, These serious legal questions exist about whether fundamental unfairness was present throughout the entire arbitration process so they're going through this whole fundamental unfairness again i just don't see it i feel like zeke's gonna have to serve the suspension what do you think gary is he's not getting another stay is he no he's not and you know honestly i'm just ready for it to 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 be done and i think a lot of other people are too Uh, zeke just pick the wrong people to you know try to win against because you know they made sure when they had that cba you know set in stone that it was in favor of the league that's what the league you know wanted to do that's what the owners wanted to do and they got it done now owners are saying oh geez what do we do <laughs> and you know because now they're getting their players taken away um uh, you know robert Kraft, jerry jones two of the most powerful owners in the league find themselves saying Gosh darn it! Why why did we even 
do this. Uh, so, nonetheless, I, I don't see Ezekiel escaping the suspension. He just needs to serve it and get it over with. What do you think, Eric? I mean, at this point, reports have come out. NFL lawyers are saying that he really doesn't have much of a chance with this appeal. And even if he does get that miracle stay, which we can all agree is a little bit of a long shot, I don't even think it would come in time to where he would all of a sudden be able to magically play on Sunday. So he's at the very least going to miss this game. And I think with how the judicial process is going, he's for better off just serving this whole six altogether because he's missing one and then issues of a stay and then he winds up having to serve the other five down the road. It would make no sense. So just get it over with now. Hope the Cowboys can at least tread water, which I think they can come back and put your team on a three game stretch run to get to the playoffs. Yeah. Concerning this game here, you, you do have a Chiefs offense that, aside from the uh, Tyreek Hill interception, they really have not been they, – they've kept – they protected the ball. They have been very efficient on offense. They've run the trick plays. It seems very ripe for a Cowboys defense that is has a lot of young guys. And this is a – talk about discipline. you got to have it against this team and – it's difficult for me to say with all all the rookies and everybody else that's playing. This is either going to be a shootout or a blowout. <laughs> it's the two ways I'm looking at it. You know, it could be a shootout or it could be somehow, some way, you know, uh, you know, 17 to 16 game. You know, I, I think it still has that possibility. Uh, but not not really um, going to be what I would put my you know, entire check on. Um, but I would say you know it could could happen. Hey, I, I look at this and say really the Chiefs have a lot of the advantage in this matchup. I mean they got a great young running back in Han who is going to do his best to to really break down that defense of the Cowboys who at times this year have really struggled with a running game, uh, holding you know run and keeping the that defended has been a Big problem for them at times. And then you got a guy like Alex Smith who, you know, he's patient. He looks. He finds the guys he needs to find at the right times, not turn the ball over. It's just seeming to be, to be a really good season for him. And so the Cowboys have a really big problem on their hands when it comes to that side of the ball. And then you got now the entire offense being on the shoulders of one Dak Prescott, who, you know, he's done decently with having that responsibility. But is he going to be able to do it against uh, this Chiefs defense? You know, and I, I don't know. I really don't. It's going to be an interesting game. I, I, I you know, I kind of lean towards the Chiefs. Uh, I'm still having problems making my pick on this one, but I think I'm leaning towards the Chiefs on this one. <sighs> yeah, it's hard for me to. I can't go with the Cowboys on this one. It, yes, it's at home, but this is a game where quite easily. Quite easily, uh, we could see the Chiefs have more fans at at that AT and T Stadium than the Cowboys do. Uh, th- this is a they travel well. Uh, the not I mean yes I I think we can give the Cowboys some credit in that the reason you've been keeping McFadden 
inactive, fresh, as he's going to get out there and he can run. Alfred Morris can run if he gets a lot of carries, which that's what you're thinking he's going to do. We've seen Rod Smith be efficient. I just wonder if, you know, that offensive line can hold them uh, that long and not have them bombarding Dak. And this is a team that I don't see them letting Dak get out of the pocket and make his big throws and, and everything else. You got Marcus Peters you got to worry about who, even if he doesn't, uh, go on Dez, he's still going to make Terrence Williams' life hell and whoever else, you know. So it's just really difficult for me to go uh, with Dallas on this one. So Tony Romo gets to go commentate his old team and watch him lose. I mean, that's sort of the way kind of life works. Tony Romo's hitting his stride. They kind of made their jokes about you know, Romo coming out of retirement, he's going to go back to Jerry World, a place he's very familiar with, had success in, but the Chiefs are just going to take this one. I don't see any real way, even with the offensive scheme, that Dallas has the firepower to stop the Chiefs in their offense. It's it be sad, but like I said, for the Cowboys, it's about treading water. This is going to be a very big test. Certainly is. Certainly is. Uh, so that's going to do it uh, for us looking at all these, these games here uh, for the NFL. Uh, let's uh, quickly go into our the college pick for the week. Lots of big games happening after the college football, the first official college football playoff rankings came out. Uh, I know we, you know, both of us kind of got to talk about it on the kickoff, but Gary didn't. Uh, Gary, what do you think about that top four? Uh, it's really interesting. I mean, uh, from my understanding, didn't Georgia hop above to number one? Yes, Georgia Correct. number one, Alabama number two, uh, Notre Dame three, and Clemson four. Hey, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, it makes sense. Notre Dame's really hot right now. They're really doing a bang-up job. Clemson's the one that I think they're a good team, but I'm still a little shaky um, believing that they're that great of a team. Georgia, I still think should be number two, not number one, because um, I think head-to-head with Alabama, that's I don't know that they're at that point yet. So it's an interesting top four, but this is the playoff picture as of. Hey, that's, that doesn't mean anything. The numbers don't mean Jack because when they get to the playoffs, that's what really matters. But I don't think it's a bad top four. I don't, I think they got some solid teams here. Yeah, certainly. Uh, the, well, most of these teams are going to be able to prove one way or the other if they're for real or not. And some of the ones that got snubbed, like Miami, who's all the way at number 10, uh, and Oklahoma, who's at 5, and Oklahoma State, who's at 11, they're going to be able to prove uh, very quickly what's going on. Some big games everywhere uh, on one of the biggest weeks in college football this week. So let's go through this on the – this is what's on the ESPN Pick'em here. Auburn taking on Texas A&M. Give me Texas A&M in the upset. 
Oh, Talk about busting some playoff brackets already. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary will. I'm not Auburn. They're wanting to keep this going to make the Iron Bowl meaningful one more time. Yeah, Texas A&M has looked good in spurts this year, uh, but when it's come to the big games, they really haven't delivered. I'm going to say Auburn uh, as well. Penn State taking on a Michigan State team that lost to Northwestern in three overtimes last week, but this is at uh, East Lansing. Uh, Harry had that wrong on the kickoff. What do you think? Upset alert? Mm. I will say Michigan State has a really good defense, very much like Ohio State, but they don't have the offensive firepower. No, and I think with the offensive firepower, it took you that much to generate against Northwestern. Don't forget Indiana, where they they couldn't do anything either. Ah... I don't know. I, I can't pick Michigan State in this one, though. I just can't. It's, it's something that I see that team and Sparty don't look too right to me. Yeah, I got to go with Penn State, too. Yeah, tell Michigan State to hit the showers. It's Penn State win the victory. Iowa State, the surprise of the Big 12, and they have... It all in their hands to possibly even win the Big 12. They got to start doing that by beating West Virginia here, and I think they do. It's not in Ames, but West Virginia has been that team this year where, yeah, they've kept things close, but when it's matter, they don't win. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Iowa State. Yeah, I think Iowa State's really just showcasing that, hey, you don't believe in us, but we believe in us, and they're going to keep rolling. Yeah, I mean, Iowa State, they're a team that, especially now that the Big 12 championship game is back, what they've done this season after winning just one game all-time against an AP Top 5 team, they've done it twice this year. They're playing to where people have to respect them. And I like Iowa State in this one. And I like Iowa State to position themselves to, if not make the Big 12 title game, come damn close. Clemson, they came back and won with Kelly Bryant. North Carolina State got shellacked by Notre Dame. And Notre Dame wound up being number three. Now North Carolina State gets to deal with number four. But it's at their house this time. Could this be the upset for Clemson to knock them out of the playoff spot? I think so. I actually like North Carolina State because for the longest time, until really halfway through the third quarter, the Wolfpack hung tough with Notre Dame. Then a couple bad plays happened and things snowballed. I think NC State realizes that winning the ACC is still viable. Getting to the Orange Bowl is still very possible. They're going to want to take down Clemson. And I think with everything going on, Clemson's just a teeny bit more vulnerable right now. I'm going to go with Clemson, though. I know it's a tough away game, uh, but I think they know 
what hangs in the balance. Another loss probably kills their playoff chances. I think Kelly Bryant's going to want to have a big game here. It's going to be hard against that North Carolina defense or North Carolina State defense. But yeah, Clemson for me, I think they're going to they're going to win this one. Yeah, I'm going Clemson as well. Stanford taking on Washington State. Washington State has been brilliant at home. They have been really bad away. This is a home game. Uh, Washington State needs this to be in any kind of contention for that Pac-12 title game. Even then, I feel like Bryce Love and Stanford are going to show that they're for real in the Pac-12. I think they're going to get a win. Yeah, every time I root for a team to do well, uh, usually they disappoint. And I've been rooting for Michael Leach a long time. Uh, I think he still needs to get paid. I do. And uh, I think I just have a feeling this is going to be a disappointing loss. And so, yeah, I'm going to Stanford. Yeah, I think as much as I love Mike Leach, going back to his days at Texas Tech, as much as I like Luke Falk running this offense, Bryce Love has got plenty of love for everybody. And so bring up that goofy-looking tree because the Cardinals are going to take it. Ohio State taking on Iowa. Uh, <laughs> it's in Iowa, but I'm still going to Ohio State. Yeah, same here. It, again, Iowa. Iowa. Hey, they gave Penn State a game. Oh, yeah, they gave Penn State a game. You know how I feel about the corn pones? No. Ohio State with that big win, JT Barrett just doing his thing and showing the world, hey, here I am. Uh, mm -mm. No. I still don't mean, I still don't think that that means JT. JT Barrett's going to have to have performances like that the rest of the season if he wants to be in the first round still don't think that that's where he goes but uh we'll we'll see we'll see what he does against Iowa he need that's this is one of the teams where he needs to show out Bedlam is happening 4 p.m. Eastern Oklahoma Sooners going to Stillwater and I think Oklahoma's going to have another loss on their record I feel like Oklahoma State they showed some of the defense Against Texas, do you know that they have the offense? If it's a shootout, I'm still going with the Cowboys at at home. I know it may not be the popular pick, but I think Oklahoma State's going to get the upset. I got two words for you. Pistols firing. Mike Gundy knows this Big 12 is wide open. He wants that trophy. For a shot in another trophy. As a certain someone loves to call them Oki Light, they're taking this one. Oh, so you're saying that Oklahoma can suck it then? Yeah, I I, I, I think so. I really am. Now, granted, I have no beef with Oklahoma, especially with being a Miami fan. You know, I wish that there was a way that I could chant something just like we chanted Bye Bye Bosworth back in the day. 
Bye bye Mayfield. Bye bye Baker. I need to do a little R and D on this. <laughs> yeah, you know this is going to be a really good game. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be special. Uh, but you know what? Uh, you guys picked Oklahoma State. I'll go Oklahoma. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield's going to want to piss you guys off. So yeah, I'll go. I'll go Oklahoma. Well, this is one of the games that they're going to be. He wants to win that Heisman. This is one of those mm-hmm. games. He's got to. He's got to have, have big big numbers in here. And get the win, which is uh, even more important. Texas going into Fort Worth. Eamon Carter to take on TCU. Possible upset at all? Mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Way too many mistakes from that Longhorns quarterback. And TCU is going to be mad. Kenny Hill is going to be Kenny Trill all over again. Yeah, Texas is still kind of chasing their tail. And uh, TCU, like you know, Eric just said, they're going to be super pissed. They're going to be ready to win this game, and it's going to be a big win for the TCU. I'm going to go TCU, but I feel like y'all are underestimating Texas a little bit. I feel like this could be a close game for TCU. Is it going to pull it out at home? Alabama! At Tuscaloosa against LSU, the vaunted rivals go at it again. Alabama's going to roll. Roll Tide. Roll Tide all the way to possibly reclaiming that number one spot. Because, I mean, LSU, come on. You, You have looked ugly and flat all season. Even with what Syracuse did... You almost lost to them. No. Sorry. Yeah. Alabama is no-brainer for me. You know who almost, also almost lost to Syracuse? Miami. And they are playing hey. Virginia Tech. And uh, I don't know. They've gotten too many almost this season. And I think this is where the almost finally ends. I think Virginia Tech is going to pull the upset. Uh, mm, no, I think it goes one more week. There's going to be a team that will truck the Canes this season. I don't see it being Virginia Tech. I see it being Notre Dame, but we hang on with this one. It's not going to be. I mean, it would be really good for that matchup if they do hang on. Yeah, and the fact that. Even though Miami plays down to their competition, they do like to play up to their competition as well. And I I think these are going to be one of those games where they play up, and I think they get it together a little bit early and hang on. What do you think, Gary? Uh, You know, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think, though, for my pick, I think I'm going to go Miami. All right. Fair enough there. So uh, there's so many big games. I'm not even going to play around and have other college games to pick because, geez, those are some really huge games to go around and, and decide on there. But seriously, if there was a week of college football to watch, uh, this is it, folks. After those rankings came out, people are going to be scrutinizing this even more. And 
yeah, uh, just just gonna be a, a lot to lot to watch. You know, Wisconsin's even playing Indiana. We've seen Indiana play some teams tough. Uh, South Carolina taking on Georgia. Who knows what that's gonna be? But South Carolina's been a tough team uh, to beat this season. UCF might have a game to deal with against SMU. Uh, Arizona and USC. Wait, we forgot about this one. What do you think? Arizona got ranked. They won last week. You think they could pull the upset on USC? Given what they did against Wazoo, two words. Khalil Tate. USC is going to get just as much of a dose of him as the Cougars did. And I'm sorry, Sam Darnold? He's going to try, but let's face it, he's coming back another year. This is just about maintaining his stock, hoping and praying and sacrificing something to the gods that he still doesn't wind up in Cleveland. <laughs> he, he He's not fully in it right now. Arizona is. Yeah, Wildcats. You know, uh, it's tough. I, and I, 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 I'll go USC. I think I've already picked this game. I'll just pick USC. I'm going to go with Arizona, too. Just end USC's hopes completely outright. And and uh, have them uh, get it here. Just This would certainly be one of those uh, playoff deals that you got to watch. So... You know, how far does Arizona go up after that and everything? It's going to be certainly interesting. Just just adds to the craziness of this whole week. More games that matter there, and that one's at the end. So you got to stay up from the beginning at noon till the end at uh, 11.45. So, or 10.45. Jeez, guys. Late night again. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to be a late night for me because I'm attending a wedding on Saturday, so, yeah. Hey, you got that, too. Got that, too. Just, just catch the garter. Yeah, uh, Eric, you got... I, 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 I don't know. I mean, because that would... Make mm, mm. sure the you next know, one to get hitched, so... Yeah, I could... Okay. You're not ready for that? All I'm going to say for this podcast is there's a positive and a negative given the situation. I'm not going to fully go into that to protect both identities and potentially friendships. All right. All right fair enough. <laughs> so, yeah, there's reasons why I would want to catch it with the whole getting married thing. Mm-mm, no. I have oats to sow first. Fair enough, man. Still, still a young man. It is uh, totally okay. Gary, UNT has a tough match against Louisiana Tech. Yeah, it could be very uh, fun to watch. Uh, but, uh, you know, UNT has a problems against teams that, you know, seem to have some rep. So, <laughs> sorry, Mean Green. You did well this year, not this game. I'm going to go with the Mean Green. Keep it going. They're leading the West over there in Conference USA, surprisingly. So 
I'm going to say that they're they're going to win this game. The big one to watch in the East, though. Part of that lane train, Marshall and Florida Atlantic on Friday. That's uh, that's going to be the interesting one. Could Marshall finally give Florida Atlantic their first loss in the conference? Mm-hmm. Part, of, cool. part of me hopes so, so the lane train derails. But then yeah. again, part of me doesn't because a potential Florida Atlantic UNT rematch, that would intrigue me. Oh, just as long as UNT wins that conference. That's all I can Yeah. I just don't need that slaughter again. Yeah, that's the only thing. Yeah, that's what we're saying. But all right, this time we are finished. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard here, we always encourage you to hit that subscribe button on Football to the Max because that gives you both of our shows that we do on Monday nights after Monday Night Football and, of course, the one you're just hearing now, the preview show on Thursday nights. Uh, so, you know, you, you want to listen to both because you get the preview here. You get the analysis on Monday of the games that happened, uh, plus that Monday night game, uh, too. One of the few podcasts that do that because most podcasts do Sunday and then Tuesday. Uh, so, hey, you get it right uh, right off the press as soon as that, that game happens. And then, of course, you subscribe to the whole WTO Network. You get all the other shows that we do, the uh, Wrestling to the Max uh, with Gary and I and Paul. And you get uh, Eric's point of viewer. You get the kickoff where uh, Eric is also a co-host there. And, and I'll come in from time to time with Mr. Harry Broadhurst and all those guys. And you get everything else. So make sure you subscribe to that. Hit that W2Net.com as well. And uh, we'll see you around on Tuesday morning. Later, everybody. Peace. following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.